Happy New Year, and thanks for tuning in to Titans Talk. Got John and Landon with me today. Happy New Year's, guys. Happy New Year. Guys, let's get right to it. Colts 33, Titans 17. Um, we knew we were going to be shorthanded going into this game. I felt like the Titans gave a good effort. Um, while we didn't have much of a chance to win this game without Mariota, we needed some of that magic. We did not uh, have any margin for error, and we turned the ball over twice. Gutsy effort by the Titans. Uh, in the end, a very disappointing loss. Uh, John, your thoughts? Um, I agree. They they played pretty. They played aspects of the game pretty well, but we had very very narrow margin of error, and we committed a couple big big penalties and uh, a couple big plays that didn't go our way, especially the Dory Jackson punt return muffed punt, whatever you want to call it. That was terrible. And then the late Blaine Gabbard interception when he could have run for a first down to keep the drive alive. That was terrible. Um, and then, you know, with, I think it was three or four minutes left in the fourth quarter, we could have gotten a drive going, but consecutive penalties, I think three or four in a row kind of really put us completely out of it. But, um, I mean, the defense played pretty tough at points. Um, I think they made some good adjustments at halftime. The first half, Andrew Luck had a billion yards, um, and we didn't really have an answer from Marlon Mack. So, like you said, we were shorthanded, missed a lot of guys up front, especially Jarrell Casey and uh, a lot of our different injuries. So, um, overall, not our best effort. Probably not our worst, but one we'd like to have back. Landon, the Titans ran the ball 16 times for 5.8 yards per rush. 93 yards total. Was there a reason why we didn't see more running? Uh, what do you think? Well, initially, the the drive stalled really early. I believe the first two drives were two, three and outs. And the Colts got up 14-0 pretty fast. So we did have to play catch-up. And, and at the end of the day, we had to start passing eventually with Gabbert. And up until that interception, I thought he did fine. But then he... But then he just threw it away at the end. I don't think I think it was partially because the Colts defense adjusted to it, and because the game flow dictated that we had to start passing more. I never thought the Colts were uncomfortable. The pass rush uh, later in the game, Landry was able to get some penetration. I felt like they were able to perfectly execute everything they came to Nashville to do on the field. Um, and um, I understand why Jarrell Casey uh, is a big part of that pressure, and we didn't have him, and we couldn't replace that. Like I said, I, I thought the effort was good uh, for our team. I, I didn't think uh, anybody rolled over, um, but I just felt like they came down here and they executed perfectly. I think they're a good team, and I was impressed with how well coached uh, the Colts were. They wanted to dominate time of possession, and they did. And obviously, Andrew Luck is a – Now back to health. Uh, he is uh, one of the elite quarterbacks in the league, John. Would you agree? I would agree. I think he's always been an elite quarterback. And, you know, I hate his guts because he doesn't play for us. But, you know, he's fantastic. And apparently they knew what they were doing and they rested him as long as they needed to. And, you know, he, he took uh, more than a year off to, to rehab his shoulder. And, you know, when he plays like he did this year or on, on Sunday – you can't really argue with it. We're going to spend a lot of time, folks, talking about um, our future and uh, how 
certain players fit or don't fit in. So just know uh, the season is over, but this podcast is just heating up. Uh, we're all three draft nicks, and uh, we're going to do a lot of research for you. Stay tuned into us. You're really going to learn a lot this offseason about uh, our current roster and what's what's moving forward. Uh, we're going to talk about free agency. And uh, we're going to have a, a podcast in, in a few days from now as well. But throughout the offseason, just stay stay tuned to us. Today we're going to talk about, you know, this game and wrap this up. We're going to talk about our season. So with that in mind, Johnny, if you had a game ball to give uh, to, for anybody Sunday, I know it would be tough and loss. Who, who do you think uh, – who, who do you think played well Sunday? Well, we've talked about him a couple of different times throughout the season, but it has to go to Jayon Brown. He wow, just continuously yeah. gives so much effort, and he comes up with big plays. And, you know, he's still a really young player in this league, and he's got a lot of good good football ahead of him. Um, but, you know, he had a pick six. He had a fumble recovery. Um, he was just all over, the, all over the field. So I think he'd get my game ball. Absolutely. Wesley Woodyard, for me, was everywhere. Um Brown shows athleticism, and he shows energy, and I'm really excited about Gian Brown. But I think he is the future Wesley Woodyard, uh, and and I've been so impressed with Woodyard. We don't talk about him enough on this podcast, but he is the glue and the backbone. He's all those analogies you want to make. My guy number 99 in there, I thought he was the heart as well. Landon, who's your game ball for? I would say Gian Brown just because of his splash plays. Because we were down 14-0, and if they score on that drive, then things start to get out of the hand. But his pick six takes us back into the game. The Dory right. fum- fumbles the punt return. Wow. They're almost in the red zone immediately. Then he forces a fumble and recovers it, which up until Gabbert threw the interception was probably one of the game's biggest plays because it kept it a one-score game. Right. That was probably one of the best defensive performances by an individual player we had this season, I think. Well said. I would totally agree. We do have some bright spots here. We had some guys that really played, were really there, and a big part of guys that are going to be around for the future. Corey Davis, five receptions, 48 yards. I felt like he showed a lot of heart, um, and I was impressed down the line. I'm not going to – we're not a mouthpiece for the Titans. We're not – just kissing up, but uh, watching the game with my own eyes uh, there at Nissan Stadium Sunday, I felt like these guys showed quite a bit of character and heart. John? I'd agree. You know, they did. They played really well. I think Michael Pruitt played really well. Wow. Absolutely. Um, same thing with Luke Stalker. I mean, we really need our – We, it's no secret. Over the past couple of years, we've been a team that relies on our tight ends, and it's quite amazing the depth of tight end we have when – you consider first we lose Delaney Walker and then Johnu Smith comes on and then we lose Johnu Smith and then you've got a, a mixture of tight ends who all kind of do their own thing and we still make it all work. Um, you know, Stalker had that, that 22-yard touchdown grab which kind of got us back in the mix and, you know, Michael Pruitt made a couple big grabs in a couple of crucial situations. So I think they're, they're all playing a really, really big part. I think down the road with a healthy Delaney Walker and Johnu Smith, I don't see us keeping five tight ends, so that'll have to sort itself out. Right. But it's something that – It's a good problem to have. Yeah, it? right, exactly. There is depth at the tight end position, and that's a good thing. Um, I know a lot of folks listening to this are discouraged. Uh, we're so close to the playoffs. But I, I want everyone listening to understand that this is a talented young team, and we need to figure out who we are, what we are offensively, we need more consistent play. 
from our offensive players. But there is talent on this team. And if we can get those things worked out, um, some some teams find a quarterback. Some teams find find those things. But they don't have the depth. They don't have the talent. And John Robinson is not perfect. and uh, But he has increased the depth of talent this team in, in three off seasons. Uh, I watch this closely. I know you guys do too. I know John, you played. I know Lynn, you are super analytical about this stuff. We, we have a talented roster. Is that right? All things being equal, if we can uh, figure things out, it's not the depth of talent that kept us from the playoffs. Landon, would you agree? Yeah, I think more so this season was just decided by really unfortunate injuries at key positions. More so than we just didn't have enough talent to contend. I think it's that and, and inconsistent play and maybe a lack of identity um, on on offense, but I, I would agree. Guys, the Colts, uh, they look good. We've talked about that. John, do you see them as a Super Bowl contender? I think you have to. When you consider the rest of the playoffs for them, they're probably going to be playing in, in, in some winnable games. And, you know, when you like – we saw on Sunday when you have Andrew Luck firing on all cylinders, it's going to be really hard to beat them. And especially now that they have Marlon Mack and their running game on, you know, um, kind of dialed in um, and their defense is playing well, they're going to be a tough out. And I don't know if they're my Super Bowl pick right now, but they're in the mix. I mean, they're point blank. They're in the dance. We're not. Um, so, you know, one of these teams – that that's in the mix. They all have a shot, and it's kind of hard to pick the ones that are you know easy easily out. They all look, they all bring something different to the table. Absolutely, that's a good point. Now we're going to do a later uh, episode, hopefully in the week, where we do our playoff picks for this opening weekend, and there are some really intriguing games. We're going to get into that later in the week. But Landon, have you seen? Is there another? NFL team. I know you follow the other 31 teams closely. Is there another team that has accrued as much talent in the last two off seasons as the Indianapolis Colts? They were at the beginning of last season, I think maybe the least talented football team, maybe beyond, maybe aside from the, I think they were the least talented. And now they have nine or 10 young players that have, have really, along with uh, Luck's health and some good coaching from Frank Wright and his staff, have really put them as, I think, maybe um, just outside of the Super Bowl uh, conversation. Landon, have you seen anybody make, make that move that quickly? Um, I would say the only other team right now that has a comparable, I guess, some influx of talent is the Browns just because they've been – such high picks. Then obviously last year they had Houston's first and second picks, which is even more talent than they have free agency money because they don't have any guys worth re-signing, so they sign big free agents. But I think I would probably put it as a tie between the Browns and Colts as just the biggest jump in talent. Right. And the and the Browns being so uh, so poor have been able to to uh, to make that move. I've been, I guess, bottom line, I hate to say it, I've been impressed with uh, with their new front office, and they have made um, they have made a, a a move here quickly. And of course, a uh, healthy Andrew Luck certainly makes everybody around him look better. But Malik Hooker, 
uh, Najee Good, Darius Leonard, wow, Marlon Mack, Mo Alley Cox. Uh, these guys are good. T.Y. Hilton still, uh, he did not – obviously, he had two catches for 61 yards. He had that 43-yard bomb, but he always terrifies me, and he is a, he's a Titan killer. They have a lot of uh, talent moving forward. Now, I'm done bragging on them, but I'll say they were impressive Sunday. Guys, let's talk about our season uh, in review. It's tough just uh, a day or two after um, uh, our, that, that loss to kind of put everything in context, put everything in perspective. But when we're talking about this season five years from now, John, what do you think is it will be the first thing uh, you'll think of from this 2018 season? You know, there were a lot of ups, a lot of downs. We played some great opponents. I think when we look back at this season, we'll remember it as the the year that we um, beat the Patriots pretty decisively. I think we'll remember it as the year that Derrick Henry got over 1,000 yards. Well, I think we'll remember his ascension late in the season, right? Yeah, um, but I mean, you know, and, and we will remember that. But when you look back on it, it's hard to remember moments, but People always like to point at stats, so they're going to point to these stats and they're going to say, "Oh, Derek was, Derek was a thousand yard back." And I think that's, I I hope that's saying something to the front office that we need to run the ball more effectively, right? Um, and that we need to do this all year. <laughs> Who knows what what this season would have looked like if we had, um, you know, gassed up the Derek Henry train a little bit earlier in the season. It's easy to look back on it and you know say, "What if now?" But a lot of things could have been different. Um, but I think that's one of the things we'll remember this season for. Um, obviously, we'll also remember it for beating the the reigning Super Bowl champs, the Eagles, in an overtime game. That was, you know, really exciting. It was a great atmosphere for me. Um, so I think those are just a couple of things that, that I'll remember. Exactly. I think I'll remember very high highs and very low lows. Uh, Landon, yep. what about you? Hopefully, it'll be remembered as the beginning of Rabel's tenure here, right. where with an entirely new coaching staff and just terrible injuries to key players, they still found a way to get a winning record in. It was just the building block in the beginning to hopefully a successful five years of contention. Absolutely. We can look back on this and say, hey, this is where they sort of figured things out. We had a new coaching staff, and uh, I, I certainly hope that that's, that's our – uh, our context uh, years from now. I'm going to remember uh, some some injuries, and I'm going to uh, remember uh, another year where we didn't figure out Marcus Mariota's future with us. It is so interesting that when we talked about at the beginning of this season, guys, this is the year when we figure it out, right? This is make or break for Mariota. He's shown shown us so much. And then he's also, you know, had injury issues and inconsistency. Guys, 16 games later, in my view, we are in the same place. John, would you agree? Yep, 100%. I think it's a really hard thing to evaluate. I mean, if you look, even in, if you look inside the division, you know, the Colts don't have this problem. The Texans don't have this problem. This is something that we have to keep figuring out, and not easy. <laughs> I thought we'd have more of a definitive picture of what we were going to do going forward at the end of the season. And, you know, we like you said, we're no no closer to figuring it out. Yeah, Marcus is a fantastic kid. He's a great player, very important to this team, to this franchise. But, you know, his availability is something you really have to wonder. Now, 
Matt LaFleur, hope if he's, you know, we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about it later, but hopefully if he oh, stays, yeah. um, he can give Marcus the continuity that he needs. Because if you look at it, Marcus, fourth year, he's at a different offensive coordinator every single year. It's not, it's not an ideal situation no, uh, for developing a young quarterback. So I think part of the blame goes on Marcus, but part of it's on the inconsist- inconsistency of, coaching, you know, of our coaching staff. So, I, you know, I think it, we have to unfortunately double down on next season and hopefully he plays like, you know, the guy that we want him to. Absolutely. When you look at Marcus on paper, uh, we see every play, we see the frustration, but uh, I think we can overlook how well he has played at times and how good he is in the clutch. When you look at his season, when we will go back and, and, and evaluate what he's done, guys – from an advanced metric standpoint, he is rated, even in this year, just above average, just would die for, right? Above average quarterback. The only advanced statistic that he really is way below average in is sack percentage because, obviously, we had some issues with protection, and he hangs onto the ball way too long. But when you look at, you know, yards per attempt and completion percentage, a lot of these things that are, are indicators may be on paper anyway – of how he's progressing, you know, he's looked pretty good. He doesn't throw too many interceptions uh, uh, compared to the league average. Uh, he's He's been pretty good in the red zone. Um, uh, Landon, how do you evaluate him to this point? Well, I think compared to the beginning of the season, it's a bit worse as far as the view of if he's the guy or not just because of his injuries this year and the injuries on offense overall. Because obviously – he sat out. The, he sat out this week with that stinger, which he, he said it just needs rest to heal, not surgery, which is good news. But still, combine that with the Miami injury, and that's I think that's kind of worrisome. Then he loses his top receiving threat, Delaney Walker. His number three receiving threat, Rashard Matthews, just quits on the team out of nowhere. His offensive line struggles, and overall, it was just a. It was just a really bad season to get a pretty clear view of what he is just so many things went wrong for us that I feel like this coming season will be when we can finally tell what he is to this team absolutely it's so interesting to me being an NFL fan for so long usually by the end of that fourth season you got a pretty cool clear picture and my picture for uh, Marcus Mariota is he's a terrific guy terrific teammate and he definitely uh, in a vacuum belongs as an NFL starter. But there are other issues, too, like inconsistency and injury. And so it's just so interesting to not have a solid answer on what he is after four seasons. You know, down in the dumps, if he experienced a loss or two. and Big fella, sort of season in review, what, what surprised you most about this team going in in a good way? You said, ah, I don't know if we can answer this question or how are we going to do this? What, what sort of surprised you in a good in, in a good way? I think my pleasant surprises are the way that we prepared for some of our bigger opponents. You know, throughout the season, we talked about how sometimes we have the tendency to play down to our opponents, right. um, but we also have the opposite opposite tendency to play up to our opponents. I mean, so that allowed us to win some games that we probably had no no business winning and. 
you know, a lot that we already probably counted ourselves out looking at this, the season and the schedule ahead. Um, you know, we got some wins, which we probably considered were losses. Now the unfortunate part of that is there were some games we lost that we, you know, originally counted on, on wins. Um, so I think it's just the, the preparation of this team. And I was pleasantly surprised at, at how effective of a coach Vrabel appeared to be. Right. Um, I, you know, I figured he'd be ready. He had a lot of experience doing a lot of different things and right. coaching at a bunch of different levels and different yeah. responsibilities. So I expected him to do well, but you know, I was just kind of worried that those expectations would go. Landon, what's your pleasant surprise of the season? My pleasant surprise is probably just how good Harold Landry looked right out the gate. Excellent. Because at the draft, I thought he was probably going to go top 15-ish. And then he fell all the way to 40, the low 40s, because of injury concerns, which had me worried. Because he was a slight edge rusher that fell a ton because of injury history. But even from the start of the season, he's he's looked above average at the minimum. And he's he really blossomed at the end of the season when we needed him the most, when Arakpo and Morgan were hurt. And I'm just excited to see him in year two Excellent. on this team. Excellent. There's some good young talent on this team. And uh, it, it, it's a tough week. And it's going to be tough to watch these uh, opening playoff games. But we can we can look back and say, hey, you know, a lot of our uh, guys that played well down the stretch are, are very young players. So, absolutely. John, what disappointed you most about this season besides the um, – and not making the playoffs. Uh, what what was your biggest individual disappointment? Maybe like I, in a certain unit or a certain yeah. thing that happened. Well, I, I'm very disappointed in, you know, coming into the season, I thought our, our, our cornerback play and our secondary was going to be the absolute strength of this team. I didn't, you know, I, I think I was, I, I was envisioning, uh, you know, no quarterback to throw for 200 or, or on us or, you know, based on the mixture of talent we had with Malcolm Butler, Logan Ryan, Adoree Jackson, Kevin Byard, and then signing Kenny Vaccaro, I was like, oh, no way. Um, so that unit kind of played – they played poorly to start off the year. Now they, they progressed throughout the season. You know, we saw a lot of – well, I'd say we, we saw a complete 180 from Malcolm Butler, and he started to play really well, you know, in the second half of the season. But I really thought that was going to be a strength of our team because, you know <laughs> – as many other Titan fans know, it seems like every single year our defensive secondary is always a liability. Um, so I was really hoping this was going to be the year that that kind of those fortunes changed and we were going to be able to shut people down and force them to run on us, which our run defense is always incredible. So I think that's a little bit of a disappointment. Um, I also think we've already touched on it. I think the inability to kind of figure out Marcus is is my really big disappointment because I've been you know I mean you guys know me I, I've been a Marcus Mariota supporter since day one I, I love that kid and I really really want him to do well I wanted us to be able to answer that question this year and, and like we talked about we can't so it might mean you know it, it I don't want us to have to pay him because there are no better options I want us to pay him because it's the right thing to do for our organization and he's earned that. You know, I'm not saying he hasn't earned that, but, you know, if you're going to give him $150 million or whatever the number ends up being uh, after the next season, I want to feel a little bit more comfortable doing that. We're, we're going to th- talk a lot this offseason, um, John, about Mariota and that big decision. That is the 800-pound uh, gorilla in the room. Is like, 
we we're going to be that's it, it, our hand is going to be forced, I would say, because we, you can look at it one way and say, wow, 15 teams would like to have Mariota. But then again, it's like a lot of teams have to invest in a guy that maybe isn't what and it doesn't usually work out. See Matt Stafford and Flacco after that Super Bowl. So it's tough. It's a tough position uh, that the Titans are in. But Landon, over the last three seasons, after coming off of five wins in two years, this team has a winning record in the last three seasons. And a lot of teams would kill for that. I know we're uh, trying to see the glass half full, and a lot of fans don't really want to hear that. They want to make a run in the playoffs. They want to be a Super Bowl contender. They want to make another Super Bowl. But at the end of the day, the front office and these players' job is to win games. They've won more than they've lost. Uh, coming off of uh, a really tough stretch in this franchise's history. Does that give you any consolation, Landon, when you think about the fact that we are now pretty well entrenched as a winning NFL team? Easily, because that becomes part of the culture, which Mm -hmm. becomes part of the team, which helps you perform better. I mean, if we were still coming off a bunch of losing seasons where we never really had hope and we just kind of trudged through the season and we just didn't really care then, the team culture and the vibe around the team would be terrible. I mean, I want to feel confident about it. But now that we have three straight winning seasons where we've looked competitive up until the very end, this gives me hope for the future of this team. They've shown that yeah. we're right at the edge, and we just need a little bit more to push through. Absolutely. I think I was worried a little bit about our culture when we uh, switched coaches for all that we'd said about malarkey. Uh, there, was no, there were no shenanigans uh, we see so much now in the NFL, like this Antonio Brown thing that everybody's reading about. Uh, that is not – that just does not really happen in our locker room. We've got great leadership, uh, starting with players, and we've got a good culture. And we had malarkey for that. And I worried about – we just assumed Vrabel was going to have that, and he does. And we have not really missed anything uh, from malarkey. Uh, and he had his good points, and culture was a big part of it. Nobody ever quit on this team. Uh, there were a lot of good things. And uh, Vrabel, you never know until you see a guy coach. And I know you mentioned him earlier, John, but I think he acquitted himself well. That first year is a lot of transition. And we need to think. We have a winning record. No, we've not been to Super Bowl. No, we have not been to a, an AFC championship. But we've had three winning seasons, and we do not have to put up with a lot of the headaches that other NFL fans do, like all of the shenanigans that have gone on in, uh, in Oakland and in – Pittsburgh? Um, uh, Pittsburgh, for one. I mean, it's, it's just a lot. I mean, John, does that give you any consolation? Yeah, you know, I mean, we we do have, you know, <clears throat> a, a, a relatively, I guess. Stable locker room? Yeah, we have a stable oh, yeah. locker room. I mean, you know, even like you said, like in all the changes that we've had, we've still had that winning record. I mean, I don't know. I'm sure you guys felt as frustrated with me as I did when we were 2-14 and 14 and we took Merritt Marcus and, you know, things started to look a little bit better. And I think, you know, having, a, I think one of the, one of the main things is having a quarterback who is good. It is not an issue off the field. And I feel like having that strong right. presence in our locker room kind of resonates throughout the entire team. Uh, we don't really have any type of off the field issues at all. Even beyond that, John, we don't have one. I mean, there are a lot of quarterbacks. I'm not going to name, Names uh, right that are not going to get in trouble off the field, but they're going to say butthead things on the radio, 
that are passive aggressive towards their teammates. And Marcus Mariota might hang on to the ball too long sometimes, but he is never going to be passive aggressive about a teammate. And I, I don't think we have a good locker room. I think we have a great locker room. I think we have great leadership. Uh, Darrell Casey, Marcus Mariota, because there's a lot of things he might do and we wish he could do better. But he does. He's never going to throw a teammate under the bus. Would you guys agree? Hundred percent. Absolutely. Why isn't that? I don't. That thought probably ahead. never crossed his mind. He's absolutely. And guys, I don't think. And I know this is up for conjecture. I don't know if you guys feel this way. I think a lot of our fans think we're topping out here at nine and seven, ten and six. But we have a young defense, and we have a young coach. And if we can get Mariota figured out, which I really tend to believe, I know a lot of times uh, experts will say, well, a quarterback doesn't improve after year four, you know, whatever. I think the rules are different. I think the game is different. And we'll see with him. I can't guarantee that. I can't see the future. But I don't think we've topped out here. I think we have a bright future if we can get him figured out. It's all about the quarterback in this league. But when you look at our top players even now, Drill Casey's our best player. Yeah, he's 30. But uh, a lot of times defensive linemen can age pretty well. I think uh, the best days are ahead for most of our players. Corey Davis, Adore Jackson, Jane Brown, Kevin Byard. I mean, guys, the list goes on. Harold Landry. Uh, we have a bright future if we can get this figured out. I don't think this is our apex. Would you guys agree? I would agree 100%. Go ahead, Definitely. Lance. This season kind of felt like a letdown, strangely, just because we – we just lost a couple games that we thought we should have won. So I don't see how this how this can be our – this is topping out when we, we lost games that just made zero sense to, as to why we lost when – like, they're still improving here. We're not done. Absolutely. Absolutely, we're not done. We've got some things to figure out. I like the infrastructure of this team, uh, personnel-wise, moving forward uh, in the front office. And I, I look forward to hopefully, and we're going to talk about it uh, in a podcast soon, Matt LaFleur's future with this team. But um, I like the infrastructure moving forward, both on the field and the front office and the coaching staff. Stay tuned to us, guys. We're going to have a lot of off-season content for you. Uh, thank you for listening, and uh, tighten up. Tighten up.